In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Minisode 17. I'm Aaron, and Don Shanahan is joining me again to talk about one of the more unique films to come out thus far in 2017, Colossal. Now, Colossal was sort of billed as a monster movie, and I'm going to just read the synopsis here uh, before we get started so that you have an idea. Well, I mean, let me back up before I go there. Um, You should already have an idea of what this film is. If you're you're listening to this uh, podcast, we want to make sure that you've seen the film first because we are going to spoil it. And for this film in particular, it, it is pretty essential that you have seen it before listening to our conversation. Um, there are there are elements of this movie that you will really, you know, shortchange yourself if you listen to this podcast and then you're not going to have the same experience with the film is where I'm going I'll with even, that. I'll even say, I'll even go a step further and say avoid the trailers of the film and if you see what the film is and, and it interests you, go for it. Give it a try and um, don't watch a trailer. Don't watch anything else. Go into the movie cold and you'll find more enjoyment from it. And then after that, Come over and listen to us. I agree. Yeah. So, so we'll leave you with Monster Movie and Anne Hathaway. Right. And, and all if, you need to know, Jason Sudeik. And Jason Sudeik. Yeah. So if you're if you're interested in that, go see it. So now everyone who's seen the movie should be left with us, and we can get going. the The movie is directed by Nacho Vigalando. Uh, this is a, you know I wanted to say he was a first time director, but I went and looked up his stuff, and I guess he directed a film called Time Crimes, which I've actually. Yeah. yeah, he's got some credits there. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, I, I listen to a sci-fi podcast, actually, uh, that focuses on science fiction films, and they've mentioned this one before. And I got to say, I'm going to have to go look it up now after having seen Colossal. I'm very interested in his unique take on the sci-fi type of genre and this, this the things that he did in this movie have me excited. Uh, it does star Anne Hathaway. So Gloria Anne Hathaway is an out-of-work party girl who, after getting kicked out of her apartment by her boyfriend, is forced to leave her life in New York and move back to her hometown. When news reports surface that a giant creature is destroying Seoul, South Korea, Gloria gradually comes to the realization that she is somehow connected to this far-off phenomenon. As events begin to spin out of control, Gloria must determine why her seemingly insignificant existence has such a colossal (laughs) effect on the fate of the world. Well played. Now, this is essentially a kaiju dark rom-com. Right. That's And boy, that's a heck of a blend. Yeah, it really is. And I guess that's where I wanted to leave you with, or start with, not leave you. But um, you mentioned this there in the beginning. Don't watch the trailers. Did, did you watch any trailers going into this, Dawn? Did you know anything about it at all? Uh, no, I hadn't seen anything about the film. Um, I was alerted to it uh, with the press invitation that I got for it, where I knew it was Anne Hathaway, and I knew it had played at uh, Toronto last year, and it had made a few um, film festival appearances, I think Fantastic Fest and a couple of things. I had heard a little bit from a, some other film critic friends who've seen it who um, kind of labeled it as high fantasy. I was definitely intrigued by 
the presence of Sudeikis and Hathaway, but I had not seen the trailer. I went into the thing cold. Um, I had a vague idea that it was kind of a monster movie where it was going to be something different and out of the box for, for, for Anne Hathaway and for Jason Sudeikis. And that was it. Um, I w- and by, by not seeing it, I was, you know, as we kind of prompted on the beginning of the show, I was um, glad I didn't, because I think this is, um, these are quirks and twists that are, are better left um uh, without details where you can pick them up with the clues that the that the story lays it out in because i think the story especially the way they lay it out um it takes this dear sweet time to really tell you what's going on and even when they really tell you what's going on i don't think you really get the full story but you get enough to i don't know kind of titillate your interest enough to kind of keep stick with it and want to know where it's going yeah i had a very similar experience to that um when it first came well not when it first came out because i didn't know about it when it came in came to Toronto. Um, but when the trailers started kind of rolling out about this film, I saw them pop up and I read Anne Hathaway monster movie and I stopped. Um, I, I, I all full stop didn't go any further at that point. I didn't want to know anything about this. Uh, I, you know, I kind of in my head had put together this expectation that, you know, Anne Hathaway was somehow going to be a monster. Um, of course that is what we ultimately do get. But it certainly wasn't what I had created in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was unique, and I loved that. Um, this is the oh. kind of film that I use as a perfect example of why I champion not watching trailers for for any kind of indie type flick. It, you know, if it's a if it's a big blockbuster movie, I don't mind watching the trailers. I'm not going into that to be completely surprised. I, I kind of know what I'm going to get. The next Fast and the Furious movie, I know what to expect for for the most part, and I'm not I'm not looking to be blown away by twists and turns narratively. Um, right. But when there's second, a movie like this, I am. Yeah. No, I, I second that. And I know. Um, just to drop a little something from the website, um, the whole idea of avoiding trailers kind of made it into my lessons of this past week in the column for feeling film where um we we just got a, a truckload of trailers this past week or two where every summer blockbuster and, and winter blockbuster all of a sudden wants to drop a trailer and there's two i mean just the way they're marketing movies in a in a i don't know in an inundated kind of way i feel like trailers nowadays for the last several years tell too much um not just indie ones but even the blockbuster ones where um I, I kind of present it in the way of saying, you know, do you really need the trailer to go? Um, if, you know, just that idea of you're, you're going anyway. Why why spoil anything else to it? You know, they're getting your eight bucks. Um, go into it cold. Um, like, you know, I, not to say like the good old days, because I think we've always had trailers, but I don't think trailers did as much as they do now, which is way too much. So um, I'm right there with you. This, this was this is a especially like you said with kind of with unique indie films or even unique fantasy films the less you know the better because that's the richness of the experience that's the joy of the unknown and i think um in a genre that begs and wants you to take a grain of salt with the unknown you know start fresh with that yeah totally and and you know everybody listening at this point probably either did the same thing or is having a similar reaction to where they're realizing maybe going forward they want to avoid more trailers because they didn't get that experience going into this. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder which people are listening, or maybe they can you know comment to the thing here. Um, if you did see a trailer before the film, tell us what you thought about it in terms of when you finally got to see the full movie. Was did you get enough kind of out of it, or was it kind of tempered because you had already known a little too much? I'm, I'd be very curious to hear some listener reaction there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would too. So you can drop that in the, the Facebook group or any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so it's, it's multiple genres we're dealing with here. And I, this is probably one of my favorite things in movies. And, you know, if I have to pick a favorite genre, I'm almost always going to say science fiction. If I had to pay, pick a second, I might just say the blend because mm-hmm. what I love is when filmmakers don't do things that are traditional and what, what he has done here is just some of the most creative thinking that you see. This is, this is why we go to the movies. We go to the movies to be surprised and to be told these stories in unique and interesting ways. Um, it, you know, the themes in this film are not things that we don't know about. They're not things we haven't seen done in other movies, but we darn sure have right. never seen them done like this as a right. monster movie. Um, and I loved it. I mean, I, I didn't, I don't think this is a masterpiece. I think that there are missteps in this film. I mean, he's a, mm-hmm. a new filmmaker and that's not surprising at all, but right. on the whole, I was fully engaged in this movie the whole time. Did you have that feeling too, or did it, was it a little different for you at all? I did. Uh, no, I mean, um, I, I admit he, there are some missteps and some, and some weirdness and some flaws and some discombobulation. Um, I know a fellow critic I watched it with kind of used the words. I think the movie broke its own rules by the time it got to the end where it's, a, you know, there's a few hurdles you have to make that are a little much, but um, in terms of wholly original science fiction and something uh, like you said, is a unique and a mashup that actually works. Yeah. This is, this is really something unique and special. Um, no, I can't call it a masterpiece either. Um, I, I, it's, it's definitely not a mainstream film that most people can, can readily wrap their arms around, but it, it really is just a delicious treat of something just unique. I think we, we, we've come to a place where, we're we're getting into that um that range where we're getting the remakes and the sequels and the reboots and the reimaginings and for all those people who go gosh why can't they do something original well here's something completely original on a silver platter and it's and it's a really a lot of fun and it it just it, it couldn't have come at a better time I think um I know both of us really enjoyed Kong Skull Island we did our mini zone yeah. and we raved yeah. about it it's kind of fun that you could use a film like this as a foil comparison and still find just as much enjoyment as you would watching something you know is coming like Kong Skull Island where you know you have something that is in Kong something predictable fun and readily accessible and you still have a blast and then you watch something like this which is wholly original uh surprising and unique and you still have a blast. So yeah. I think it's fun that we just got to see both ends of the pendulum in the last month or two, which is in monster films, which is fun. I agree. I, I definitely agree. And I think the thing that stands out, you know, the most about this, other than just the blending of the different ideas and the way the story is told is the acting. And for a movie yes, that is going to be a movie that is going to be carried by roughly, you know, three or so strong performances. Um, you know, there's a couple of supporting characters in there that are friends of Oscars, uh, Jason Sudeikis's right. character. But for the most part, it's, it's really just these, these three main characters and really two, it's really Jason Sudeikis I, and, and Hathaway. Right. I would narrow it to two. I'd say everyone else is, is definitely on the fringe. They're there and they inform a little bit, but this is, this is Jason and Ann. Yeah. And so they've got to own it. I mean, they, they can't let up. Their acting has to be on point. Um, and, I've always enjoyed Anne Hathaway. Um, unlike you, when it was interesting, I remember when you first saw this and you, your reaction to me was to bring up the fact that Jason Sudeikis had a fantastic performance. 
I didn't even recognize this guy. I don't know if I'm just not pick, picking him up from from other films. What has he been in that I would know? Um, I mean, well, Jason Sudeikis. I'm a Saturday Night Live guy, so I mean, I I I, uh, I mean, I have my I have my uh, my resumes worth of Jason Sudeikis to reference and things like that. So, um, as I in my review, I kind of named Jason Sudeikis as the um as kind of the quippy everyman. You know, he's kind of that. You can well just he looks he acts the way he looks he's kind of that you know good looking guy but not you know drop dead gorgeous kind of guy he's a quippy fun you know down to earth kind of everyman character the way that maybe Tom Hanks used to play or Paul Rudd has played lately but he kind of takes it to kind of that smarmy sarcastic level where now that he's kind of graduated from SNL to movies he's done like We're the Millers and um. Oh, what is it? The um, the heist film, uh, horrible bosses, and things like that, where he's he's taken his everyman act and put it in some some dark and put it in some dark comedy, put it in a lot of sarcasm. Um, the R-rated comedy is kind of his wheelhouse, but he's he's not Bradley Cooper, where he's this Adonis of a man, um, where he's far more approachable. He's that guy you could kind of crack a beer with at a bar, and that was the fun thing for me with Sudeikis was, um, it's Jason Sudeikis for a long part of the movie, he's playing the Jason Sudeikis I'm used to and that he's really good at. He's really good at the down-home, down down-to-earth, um, cool dude. And then when his character is required and, and asked and pushed to turn, that's a Jason Sudeikis I've never seen before. Um, I know he's got some chops where he can do a little bit of acting and range. I know he played kind of a coach role um, in that Jesse Owens movie a year ago, uh, Rye, uh, Race and things like that. But that's light fare, which which really isn't that challenging. But this, for him to be able to turn off the usual Jason Sudeikis and put on that dark shaded character was a lot of fun. And like you said, that acting has to be on point to sell that. If you just, you know, are your archetype that Jason Sudeikis is and you can't, achieve the, the switch and turn and the shift he does yeah you don't you don't have a good performance in that movie falls apart yeah maybe that's maybe that's probably why i didn't recognize him then because i'm not a big saturday night live guy um and i it, that would have been pretty interesting to see someone who is generally a comedic type of character um to to be playing this role i can see why you would bring that up now yeah uh, because there's no comedy in this this role um he's not no. a he's not a funny guy i mean there's dark there's dark comedy. It's it's the kind of comedy that's it's funny because you're laughing at it, but then you're looking around to your neighbor, going, "I hope nobody saw me laughing at that because that was sadistic." Um, it's that kind of comedy, <laughs> and right. he man is he fantastic at it. I, I gotta say, so the the big twist with with his character, of course. Um, let's just go and get into some themes. We have Anne Hathaway's character who essentially is a monster. Uh, or has this connection to a monster that uh, materializes in Seoul, South Korea at certain times when she is in a certain place. Uh, she has to be mm-hmm. in this little playground area. And then when she gets home to, she, for, well, she, she gets kicked out by her current boyfriend, which by the way is Dan Stevens. Holy mm-hmm. moly. So beast himself uh, actually being British back to his um, Downton Abbey roots and he's fantastic in this. I mean, he's a very short role, but he and small, small kind of uh, time on the screen. But he does a very good job. So he yeah, kicks he really her out. Nails the, he really, he really nails that on the fence kind of douchebag guy. Where is he good? Is he bad? Is he? Can he change? You know, he he's 
there's a gray area there to his character and it's fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you initially think he's probably right with what he's doing. The movie sets you up to really buy into and agree with him. And I think that's one of the great things about the, the characters in this film is that no one is one note. Um, you know, there's, there are the issues that all three of them are dealing with and they're not on the surface. Uh, always some of Anne Hathaway's are much more on the surface than the others. Um, but anyway, we get into this, this situation where, you know, she is the monster. Um, and then we have, she meets Oscar, who is a childhood friend from her hometown, owns a bar. And what I remember feeling when we met him, you know, he's, he's very much given to us to be the sweet, charming guy from back home who never got married probably could be a perfect fit to, you know, pull her out of her what seems to be a, a struggle with alcoholism and kind of lo- lack of self-control and um some some shame issues. I mean, she's got all kinds of she's got oh, yeah. she is a a case for uh, you know, a psychiatrist that would that would cherish this to sit down with this woman. Um and so we really see him I think as a savior in the beginning. He he acts like that and it's not until later that this underlying uh, true Oscar uh, starts to come out. It's almost like, you know, like triggers have to happen uh, for right. that, that part of him to come out. And so, yeah, I think the acting is, is phenomenal because managing those two sides of a, of a character are very difficult and, uh, and they right. all do it really well. I'll give some props to Anne Hathaway in the same way where, you know, it's for somebody like Anne Hathaway, I think it's very difficult to, to kind of shed the glamour and shed that megawattness that is Anne Hathaway. I mean, don't get me wrong; they give her some frumpy clothes and and a and a, and a good strong female character T-shirt and all that underneath, or at least the invisible underneath T-shirt. And they put you know put some mousy little bangs in her and things like that. Where um you know it's still kind of hard to separate the fact that oh gosh that's Anne Hathaway from this you know this this very issue driven character like gloria but i tell you what Anne hathaway sells it she sells the frazzle she sells the 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 nervousness and the anxiety at the same time as she um still has humor and resolve you know where there there's that matter of factness about where she is at where it's not all just tears of my pillow kind of stuff i mean she she's I, I to segue into the one of the themes you were talking about or you were kind of hinting at when we were going in here is uh, is this a feminist performance and a feminist movie because it's this strong female character who is overcoming issues likely more than more than ever on her own, not from the savior man um, and not from the douchey boyfriend who we learn maybe is a kind of always douche and not on the fence. Um, and it, it, for Anne to be able to sell that really works well because that's the other half, like you said, with this big thing. If that doesn't work, that's hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're like you just started cutting out big time. Like I, could, I you're frozen. Oh shit. Okay. Can you hear me talk even now? Yeah, you're like you're there. Shoot. I don't know. That was weird. You are okay. completely fine. It, it, am I? Right? Should I keep talking? Am I all right now? Yeah. Yeah, you're good there. I don't know what happened. It was like no, it's just like a 
it was like a lag, a lag, and then your voice was cut out, cutting out, and then you like went to like, you know, completely paused on the screen for a few minutes or for a few seconds. It was weird. Okay. Um, yeah, somewhere in your Anne Hathaway talk, pick back up. I can. Well, do you want to? Let me redo the Anne Hathaway talk and make it shorter. Anyway, I didn't like what I was saying. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Um. All right, I'll go. I'll go five seconds of air again. Yeah, for me, I have to compliment Anne Hathaway as the other half of this equation. Um, and it's it for me, it's still even at least a little bit difficult not to go. Gosh, that's Anne Hathaway underneath all that because they they give her kind of the frumpy clothes and the mousy bangs and kind of make this very nervous character and all that. But um, with obviously all the issues you were just saying, um, but she sells it. She, she does such a great job of. Um, playing the frazzle with with a big measure of resolve and even a little bit of humor. I know it's kind of a dark comedy and humorless thing, but the fact that she can kind of go about her ways with a little bit of reality and, and matter-of-factness, especially when she gets to the realization of what she is and what she can do, that is a lot of fun that she can make that still work and still not be kind of a tears in my pillow weakness, weak female character. She's a strong female character, and that's a really cool thing to see. Um, yeah, what did you think about Anne? Well, I agree. Um, I I think she's wonderful, and I you know, I mean, I she's she's a huge crush when it comes to actresses oh. because oh, um, that's where it's going. Well, I mean, no, not in a not in a big way. I mean, you know, I've got plenty of female actress crushes, but she is okay. She's so versatile, um, and she does so many different things, and and I really enjoy that um many 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 actresses do kind of similar type of roles um for most of their careers and they may be really really good at those roles um especially if it's drama you can kind of you can kind of do a lot within that genre um but i gravitate toward ones that that try to do all kinds of different stuff think you know alicia vikander is another one of my absolute favorites um, Amy Adams. Yeah. I mean, Amy Adams is probably the most prolific working actress we've got. So she's doing everything. And and I love right. seeing Anne Hathaway do these different things, whether it's um, a comedy, you know, like I think love and other drugs is one with yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal or it's Les Mis, you know, or this, this is right. so bonkers. Um, and, and, and she sells it for me perfectly. I, I fully bought her um, self deprivation, Dep- uh, deprivation type of attitude. I fully bought her slacker feelings, her confusion about why she was waking up sore, um, her just kind of wanting to just give up on life. She's she's down in the dumps. She's lost her job. Um, she used to be kind of high on the hog as this big writer, as apparently is what we, we got. We didn't get a lot of backstory with that. Little bits and pieces here and there kind of tell you that. And she just is depressed in a lot of ways. Um, and gosh, she acts depressed to me. She, she doesn't oversell it. Um, she plays it out. I feel in a very realistic manner. And that's something that's very important to me. You know, someone who goes to the bar and just, okay, fine. You know, I'm just going to have a couple drinks with friends. And then before I know it, you know, oh, I got drunk last night. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't all, and that's how it happens in real life. We don't premeditated go to the bar usually and just start drinking to get drunk with the intention of, of having that feeling it starts off simple and we get to that point because we have no self-control and that's what she shows in such a great way. Um, the, the feminist. Oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, Aaron, would you say she's kind of a feminist character, or does this movie lean in that direction in a in a good, strong, positive way? Um, I I do think that it has that slant, mainly because she's overcoming these men in a lot. I mean, everybody the the villains in this film are abusive men or right. self control or controlling men. So I don't remember what Dan Stevens' the character's name is. I think it's Tom. Is it Tom? I think it's Tim. Tim. It's close. Um, <laughs> Tim, Tom. So Tim, you know, wants to control her. He wants her to fit in a box. He wants her to be a certain way. Um, and that's his method of trying to control the relationship and control her in the relationship. Oscar, obviously, it is finally revealed, going back to his childhood, that he is an abusive man, both physically and verbally. Um, but he mm-hmm. clearly holds a position that he is um, higher than others he he is more important and he has seemingly buried that within himself for a lot of time is what it, it feels like because it comes bursting out of him when he finally is given this power when he become when he realizes he's a robot right how does he react to it he he gets he gets power drunk on it and he lashes out and it's, and then he, it's exactly kind of, you know, the one thing that, so yes, I would definitely say that it has a feminist slant to it, okay. but not in a preachy way and not in a way that right. I find any kind of offensive or annoying right. in, totally in an empowering agree. way. Agreed. Um, one thing, and that leads me to this idea of, of Oscar and these men, right? These, this toxic masculinity that these guys are displaying, these two different characters we have um, that are two different sides of that. And I love that they give us that because it's real easy to give us the Oscar character who's clearly abusive. Like we see him pushing her down as a child and screaming at her and, you know, stuff like that. But I love that they give us Tim and kind of force us to realize in our, because in a lot, in a lot of real life relationships, people do not, feel like Tim is abusive or controlling. They feel mm-hmm. like Tim is justified and that's okay. Tim, of course, Tim should feel that way. Tim should, Tim should be allowed to put me in a box. And this film was trying to show us that, Hey, there's not a lot of difference here. You know, right. you need to, you know, there's more to abuse and control than just a physical element. You know, it can be mental. It can be emotional. Um, and I love, love, love how they portray that. Yeah. I think another angle to this is I think it um like you said with the um uh this movie being so unconventional is is that I think especially in the way that that Jason Sudeikis' Oscar is introduced we're like oh we're going to get the nice guy now. Um I, I think too, how many rom-coms have we seen where there's there's a there's a clear bad guy and a clear nice guy. Um you know flawed nonetheless even you know cuz we always see the commitment phobes and the trust issues even in the nice guys that, that you know create two hours of of a movie because there's going to be conflict before the guy can ever be together with the girl and all that junk but um i like that in an unconventional way you know they they dangle us the nice guy and then he's not a nice guy at all um that there isn't the oh yeah romance is waiting in the on the other end of this rainbow after all these monsters and all this these troubles that you know if, if this movie went on 15 minutes longer there'd be this exasperated moment of well what do i do now i'm still effed up you know i'm still this person i maybe have righted myself in in a small level of confidence 
because of the way she kind of comes out of this film. But at the same time, she's still really in a bad place. And, and there's a, and like you said, there's a darkness and a, and a weight to that, that, that lifts this from just being a silly monster movie. Yeah, there is. And, and some of the choices are, are interesting. You know, it, it's almost like I viewed it almost like these characters were exhibiting a sort of catharsis as the monster. Once they realized that they were, they were the monsters, um, meaning both Anne and Jason Sudeikis's characters, um, you know, and it's, 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 it's neat to see how they handle it differently. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so Gloria handles it by very cute little, you know, scenes of, of her realizing that when she's scratching her head, there's the monster. And so then she's making funny, funny signs and, and, and she's having fun with it. And it's, it's freeing for her. It's, it's a release for her in this, in this emotional way. Yet at the same time, she she has that regret, like, oh gosh, I'm knocking over people in skyscrapers. I I can't keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. She's, I mean, gosh, how many people died in this? By the way, a little bit of, of a skirting of that, I think, because um, <laughs> there must have been a lot of people. Because every time we see Seoul, South Korea, and the same exact neighborhood, it, no one is left. <laughs> There's always people I, there. It's like if this thing, if it keeps appearing over and over, uh, why are you there? You're, um, you're, you're you're reading the first lesson from my review is, you know, it, leave. leave. If, he, if, if he's coming to your neighborhood every day, leave. Yeah, I you like know, that. Just get out of there. <laughs> well, yeah. So she she seems yeah. to be dealing with it as a way of helping others, like makes her feel better about herself. Um, she goes to the, the local shop. She learns how to translate, you know, to, to send them a message to say, hey, get away. You know, watch out. We're not here to hurt you. And then we have the opposite. When Oscar gets this power, like I said, he goes power drunk and we see, but he, he has a sort of, it's a catharsis for him too. Um, it's just in a different way. He now has this ability to manifest this, um, gosh, this, (laughs) this disgusting, honestly, um, desire to be in control and be over the world in general. He feels like he's gotten a raw deal. He's been stuck in this little town. He, he was engaged for a while and then that didn't go through. So he's harboring a lot of uh, anger about that. And so he uses it in a way that many people also use um, aggression and they, they strike out. Right. And he, and it's just mm-hmm. unfortunate that he's doing this as a gigantic robot who is literally murdering um must be thousands of people. Oh yeah. Just to get his kicks. And it's, it's just fascinating to me how all of that is handled. Um, uh, right. I love, I love that they battle. Frankly, I think, I think when this movie comes down to, you know, there's that feminist part of it too, but when they, when they go head to head and even in the early scenes, some of my favorite scenes in this film are their early fights when they're slapping and punching each other, both the funny fun, the fun one where they, they're doing it kind of half-heartedly and jokingly. And mm-hmm. you can hear in the background from the, the park in wherever it is in actual USA, you can hear the people laughing in the window because they're watching the stream. And then when they actually start fighting and you can also hear the people in the window laughing. And I think that's very important because that's a social commentary saying, yeah. hey, look, look, look at all of us normal people who are laughing that these monsters are fighting in the middle of downtown Seoul, South Korea, 
people are dying, yet we're watching this on YouTube and getting enjoyment out of it. We're watching a Thug Life video, which is hilarious, but hey, why do we think that's funny? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's that's part of the dark comedy and social commentary for sure here, and that's one of the things that very much elevates the film in that it has a lot to say, and and like you said, to be able to to mesh that idea that um, um, you know, all these issues that are in the people, like, because uh, to boil it all down, I mean, Anne and Jason are the monsters, not not the the kaiju that show up in Seoul, you know, so. The, the real monsters are the people and the, and, and which is a, a, a plaintive way of saying it, but I mean, uh, it, it, there's truth to it. And, and, but you're right. The, the edgy way in which it twists it and presents it to us just makes, makes for the interesting parts of the fun and makes for the interesting head scratching things that kind of go with the, the enjoyment and the enticement that is this film. So do you agree with the, the ending? Do you agree with the choice that she makes uh, to essentially Plunt him and throw oh, yeah. him. You know, kind of she kills him. I mean, she murders oh, yeah. him. Um, um, sure. I think a um, well, I, I tell you what, there the comp that came in my brain for a while there while this was all happening. The idea that these two are linked by this accident or linked by these powers and abilities. I had the, I had a Hancock moment where I'm like, oh gosh, oh my are gosh, we <laughs> are we watching Will Smith and Charlize Theron right now? And like. Are we going to get this weepy? We can't be together, and this can't this can't ever be. Or like, are we going Hancock on this film? And I'm like, gosh, how how are they going to get over or get past that whole, you know, we're we're stuck together to do this forever kind of thing, like Joker Batman thing. And I'm like, how how are they going to do that? And you know what? They did the most unconventional, easy fix thing in the world is kill one of them, you know. And and I'm and I think that was the that that uh, that boiling over point of of yeah where we're maybe of, of the feminism angle the, the feminism slant the the strong female character slant i think her assertion which just happens to be murder um yeah i i i, I, I oh, agree yeah yeah I know you asked me the original question, agree or disagree. And I, and I jokingly went straight to agree, but yeah, it, I mean, it's agree with reservations, but at the same time, the alternative is some tidy little wimpy thing. And, and I know we, not to mix movies here, but I mean, um, we just got, we, I know we all kind of just got done talking about life and how that's kind of a, a middle finger kind of ending a little bit in in a different way. And I don't know, I, I applaud movies that have the the balls to kind of, to to go if you're going to go unconventional go unconventional the all way just don't tack don't tack it on the end for the sake of being m night Shyamalan and getting a twist when your movie sucks um go all the way with it and i and i think that was a good go all the way with the moment that i was okay with what about you well you know i've as i've thought about it more when i walked out of it i walked out of it i guess somewhat cheering in a way because i thought you know yes she's won she's done the right thing but then I started to reflect on the way that scenes, those scenes play out. She takes zero joy in what is done. There is no happiness in this act. Um, right. She feels that she is being justice in that moment. She is, as the monster, she is being the protect. She has become the protector, and that is what mm-hmm. she is doing. And she feels that's the only way to stop him right then and there. Um, I don't think that's correct because you know if the monster is only 
working in this little playground, you know, you could lock this guy up anywhere in a in a prison cell, right. and he's nothing. He's helpless. He's completely hopeless. Right. the The issue I do see with that, I think it it shows us there's a little selfishness that can't be let go of because. In order for her to then attempt to prove this to some sort of authorities to make him, uh, you know, arrested over this, she would have to reveal herself and she would have to reveal her own quote unquote power. And so we get into that whole superhero dynamic aspect of, you know, are you exactly, (laughs) exactly. And so I, but I, what I guess I love is I love that gray area i I live for the gray area in movies and it's not a nice neat little bow i can argue both sides i think personally i do fall with you on right choice ultimately i agree yeah i think um like like i was alluding to earlier like if this movie keeps on going for 15 more minutes you know it it, we're watching the peak of, of not just her own confidence but the peak of another breakdown too like oh my gosh you know i i just did that and I'm still messed up and this does, you know, the, he may go away, but I don't go away. And, you know, does it, does it all turn into that whole Friedrich Nitschke quote of, you know, you look long enough in the monster, you become the monster kind of thing. Like is, you know, does she have one more kind of, you know, heel turned in, in this whole thing, all those interpretations are there. And that's kind of the fun part of the movie is that, you know, you can come out of that, that big moral decision. At the end is, is either a cement or it's a deal breaker for people. And, and that's, again, that's kind of the fun of the movie. You know, it's, it's not easy. It's not a bow. And that's, that's cool. I agree. Um, the last thing I, I do want to just touch on and talk about a minute is yeah. just th- the idea of this as a monster film. So taking out the embedded themes that are very heavy, the drama, the, I mean, this movie is a, an entire thing is a metaphor, but yes, sir. the monster parts of this, um, I feel like they had to hold up for me to like it. And so for me, it held up very well. The monster design, the way in which the monsters act, um, the scenes in which they fight each other, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Did you, did you enjoy the monster aspect of it? I did. Um, especially for such a low budget film, like how are they going to do this? How are they going to make this look? Um, I, I do think the design and the looks of that were fine. And, and I like that with the reveal at the end that these are kind of based. I, I like that they were fantastical enough. I mean, essentially they look like toys because when we see at the end, they are toys. So if someone watches them and goes, wow, this is just a really sophisticated looking old school nineties power Rangers action figure. Well, that's kind of the point, especially when his robot shows up too. I mean, I hope there, I, I'm sure somebody who is going to this movie blind might walk out going, or get to that point of the film where the robot shows up and goes, all right, here comes Pacific Rim 2. And I'm like, gosh, it's not that movie either. you know. And I hope they're smart enough to get to that point where they understand that more is going on than that. But no, you're right. Um, creature design and realisticness at that end worked for me. Um, not to keep bringing up life, but it worked for me better than a blobby little amoeba. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's – well, we made – I don't know. I, I like that one. I liked Cal. Oh, but um, I, I loved the, the design of the the monsters in this film. I I thought they were fantastic too. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. Gloria's monster looks like you know a gigantic gremlin in some ways. And and I got to say, the moment that the, the robot appears – is probably one of the most joyous. Just, I mean, everybody in the theater lets out this laugh and this giggle. Oh yeah! And 
it is so fun because you're just like, oh my gosh, we are going there, right? And it's right, mm-hmm. be, it's right before we get the complete tonal shift and, the, right. and get hit with the heaviness of what really is taking place here. And I just, so I love that. I love how that plays out. Um, but I, yeah, I enjoy the design of them. I like, I like the monsters when they're moving around in soul and, uh, and doing dancing and all of that stuff. I, I was kind of, I don't know, it was hit or miss for me as far as the ending fight scene where, you know, she's doing things as a human from far away. And, you know, that, yeah. that that's where the movie loses me a little is, oh yeah, you know, how she could know where he is and touch him and, and things like that. Yeah. How did she get to, she's apparently she's so broke. She can't even afford a mattress or, or like a bed frame right. for her mattress, but she hasn't, she could afford a plane ticket to Seoul randomly for one yeah. night. Um, yeah. things it, like it, that. It, Why? There's a monster in town. Why does a lightning strike cause monsters to be created and, and you know, things, things of that nature that are just, they're not even touched oh, yeah. on. And it's probably better. I, I, I will say I would rather them not even attempt to explain things like that than to give me a weak or incomplete attempt. I agree. Or it, or over you, or you get that whole idea where we're going to have some cheesy exposition scientist character that over explains everything. I think the hints and the suggestions of, of making us go, well, gosh, what's going on? What does this happen? I think the mystery, and they hold that mystery long enough in terms of, you know, hold those poker cards to the chest until the end where we finally get that lightning storm reveal. Um, I think they were, it was smart to pace it the way they did, reveal it as slow as they did, and not explain everything. Make it ambiguous because we're watching such an ambiguous film. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably read the whole thing too as a, it's like almost like a dream if you wanted to. You could pretend that. None of the monster stuff was real. Nobody really died, oh, yeah. and it's it's really just this be, the glory. And all of a sudden, we we open up another bottle and it's dinner again. You know, right? Oh, it's Gloria's yeah. viewpoint of how her relationship with Oscar is taking place when she goes back, and these memories come back to her, and these are things that are playing out when she's knocked out and passed out, and from being drunk or whatever. You you can read it that way, and I like that. I mean, that's it's it is one of the films that is going to be on. Uh, my list so what i do each year is i make a list of the movies that i want to be sure and revisit uh, because i might want to bump them as far as ratings go or 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 look at them again when it comes time to to really formulate my end of the year um favorites and you know for now i have this i think around a three and a half or so um but it's one that i i want to revisit i want to sit down with it at home and and watch it again is that a three and a half out of four for you or three and a half out of five? Out of five. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. a, it's a strong three and a half to four for me right now. I, yeah. I, but I feel like I, I feel like I could like it more. I just, I really want to sit Thank down you. and it's different when you're watching it as screening. I mean, you and I, you and I have this experience, um, it, it, even in a theater, but it's, it's really different when you're watching a movie for, with note taking in mind. And when you're right. watching a movie and you, you, put your notes away. You put your, your mind goes, you turn off your, your, your uh, memory bank a little bit and you just engage fully. Mm-hmm. And so I want to do that with this one and see how Me I too. react to it. I want, I want to watch this movie if I can with, with a public audience too, because I watched it at a closed press screening where it was just, you know, yeah, I did too. Out of a big city, but it was 35 of us. We had and four, exactly <laughs> hooting, you know, we're not exactly the hooters and hollerers and, 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 you know, clap at the screen kind of people. So I'd love to see what a, a mainstream audience feels about this film and reacts to it. Cause I think it would just be uh, just a different fun communal experience that 
yeah, it would, it would change it for me. Right now, I'm at a three out of five. I could be tempted and pushed to a four when I think about it some more. Yeah. I got till Friday. But yeah, um, it's a, it's it's easily on my list of um, – because I, I don't know how big of a release it's going to get. It's easily an automatic hit in gem for 2017. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. It, it's going to be on that short list for sure. Exactly. Well, good stuff, man. Do you have anything that we haven't uh, hit on before we wrap up or – we uh no touch on uh, I, I think um i think our advice is sound you know um go into it as blind as you can go into it with an open mind um be ready for kind of perversion and subversion of genres and 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 get a kick out of that you know be be willing and loose and open to something wholly original and come out of it hopefully respecting it yeah i couldn't agree with that more well if people want to conversate with you online and, and catch up with you where can they find you to talk to and also where can they find uh, more of your work and your lessons and stuff that you're doing with your movie reviews sure well first and foremost you'll find me right here on feeling film uh and the weekly post of what we learned this week um i'll have a post on there by friday and my current post is there as well um where we do talk about trailers as we hinted before um at the same time my main is everymoviehaslesson.com that's where all my reviews are uh, this week I should have um, a nice review for uh, Colossal I should have a review for Gifted and if I get my act together Queen of the Desert or a couple of other Netflix films that are kind of floating around out there I've got a lot of VOD and online screeners on my plate that I just got to find time for. Other than that, if you want to find me on social media, look up Every Movie Has a Lesson on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, I'm in the Feeling Film, uh, Feel Film Closed group where we have uh, spirited discussions on different films. I'm waiting for you to unfreeze. Who do you even Hold on. Pause, pause, pause. Yeah, you froze for a second there. Yeah, we both did. Um, this is what happens when my son's over here, and I think I think he's online. Um, <laughs> and my roommate's playing a game online too, so it's like extra draw. Oh, the, um, so you left off I'll with bet. you left I'll off with where did I cut off? Where we have, and then spirited discussions. So just pick up with where we have, and then go. Okay. Need five seconds to clean again. Anywhere's fine. Okay where we have spirited discussions on just about any kind of movie you'll find. Uh, it's been fun to be part of the group and I, I I'm, I'm definitely accessible and, and reachable that way. And even on my own fronts as well. Well, I appreciate you being here. It has been great. Uh, I love talking with you about this stuff and it's nice to have you to be able to do some extra podcast stuff on when, you know, there's, these are films that are not getting a lot of play or things that uh, Patrick and I can't both get to in time. Uh, to be able right. to have a review out there. It's it's nice to have you with that access as well. Um, yeah, you my can f- pleasure to step in. Awesome. Well, if you guys want to talk to me any further, you can find me everywhere at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. And you can also communicate with me through the Feelin' Film social media at Feelin' Film on Twitter, slash Feelin' Film on Facebook, and as Don mentioned, the lovely Facebook group that we use to have all kinds of daily discussion on films. It's a good place to go, and we'd love to have you join us. Uh, That's it for this one. Uh, We'll be back with normal weekly episode next week. So until next time, stay positive and keep feeling filled.